MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And thanks to Aura Frames for supporting the Daily Beans. Aura Frames makes digital picture frames designed to easily fill your home with photos of family and friends shared instantly from an app. From now until Father's Day, save on the perfect gift and get up to $20 off your order while supplies last by going to AuraFrames.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. Today, new emails show the Trump campaign telling fraudulent electors in Georgia that absolute secrecy was necessary to protect the conspiracy. Sources with knowledge of congressional testimony tell the Washington Post that Secret Service agents scrambled after Donald's announcement that he wanted to march to the Capitol with the people from the Ellipse rally. Michigan prosecutors broaden their probe into Trump's attempts to access voting systems in that state, and texts reveal the GOP mission to breach voting machines in Georgia. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. So yeah, people trying to steal the election uh, are Republicans. That's a lot. Like, that's just a lot of the same stuff in different stories right there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a repetitive news day, just with different stories covering each theme. We'll call them themes. Uh, fraudulent electors stealing the election schemes and then also trying to fucking break into voting machines and I steal know. votes. Schemes. Hey, G, before we go on, I didn't tell you I was going to do this. I'd like to give a shout out to my co-host, for her amazing show on MSNBC. So congratulations on that. When I say showing, I mean show, I mean showing. You're, you, everyone oh, was, appearance. yes, your parents on MSNBC. So we always love to see you. Uh, everyone tweets about it. The Beans team are all over it, all of the Patreon. So just know that we love to see it. We need more of it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks to Eamon for having me on. Eamon Mohideen. For sure. All right. Um, let's see. Lots of news. Tomorrow, the hearings start. And um, Dana, they will be aired on ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, CNN, MSNBC. But uh, will they be on Fox News? No. No. I'm going to say no. No. They'll be on Fox Business, you know, channel like 962 or something. Yeah. But they won't be on because, you know, Tucker, Tuckums doesn't want to lose his primetime spot. And also he was the one texting the White House, like, please stop this madness. And then going on the air and saying, what? It was a tourist visit. You know, could you imagine them breaking into Tucker Carlson's show with that (laughs) testimony? (laughs) That would be so funny. Anonymous, anonymous. if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we totally need that Milo guy from UHF, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, we do have a lot of news to get to. We got a couple of big stories cooking. And and it, like I said, you guys, just pretty much every day until Thanksgiving, the news is going to be absolutely bananas. So let's hit it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up, a staffer for Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Let me repeat that. A staffer for Donald Trump's presidential campaign instructed Republicans planning to cast electoral college votes for Trump fraudulent 
electoral college votes in Georgia, despite Biden's victory, he told them to operate in, quote, complete secrecy in an email obtained by The Washington Post. Quote, I must ask you for your complete discretion in this process. And that's Robert Sinners. Excellent last name. Very apropos. That's the campaign's election operations director in Georgia, the Trump campaign's election operations director in Georgia. And that's uh, the day before the 16 Republicans gathered at the Georgia Capitol to sign certificates, fraudulent certificates, declaring themselves duly elected. Quote, your duties are imperative to ensure the end result, a win in Georgia for President Trump, but will be hampered unless we have complete secrecy and discretion. (laughs) He whispered in an email. Because if he's known for anything, it's discretion. (laughs) The December 13th, 2020 email went on to instruct the electors to tell security guards at the building. They just had an appointment with one of the two senators in the state, right? We don't, we're just had... And it says, please, at no point should you mention anything to do with presidential electors or speak to the media. And you know why? Because that's illegal. Okay, yeah, there's that part. (laughs) The admonishments suggest that those who carried out the fake elector plan were concerned that had the gathering become public before Republicans could follow through on casting their fraudulent votes, the effort could have been disrupted by, I don't know, law enforcement. Georgia law requires that electors fulfill their duties at the state capitol. On December 14th, 2020, protesters for and against the two presidential candidates had gathered on capitol grounds. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the capitol, which begins public hearings tomorrow, is likely to highlight the scheme to appoint fraudulent electors and explore whether top Trump campaign officials initiated the strategy as part of a larger effort to overturn the Democratic election. Now, Dane, I'm sure it was just all this guy Sinner's fault. Right. I'm sure it's just his idea. He just cooked it up. And seven other states just simultaneously cooked it up. I'm sure it had nothing to do with Trump. Norm Eisen, who's a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution and the Council for House Democrats for Trump's first impeachment, said the email could suggest those involved knew their actions could be problematic. He says, if there was nothing wrong with it, why'd you go through such extraordinary lengths to hide what you were doing? In a statement, Sinners said he was working at the direction of senior campaign officials and Georgia Republican Party chairman David Schaefer, who served as a Trump elector in Georgia. I was advised, he said, by attorneys that this was necessary in order to preserve the pending legal challenge, he said. Now, following the former president's refusal to accept the results of the election and allow a peaceful transition of power, my views on this matter have changed significantly from where they were on December 13th said Sinners, who now works for the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, who resisted Trump's efforts to overturn the result. Robert Driscoll, a lawyer for Schaefer, said the Georgia GOP chairman has provided all the communications about the elector process to the January 6th committee. So Schaefer, who Sinners says directed him to tell everyone to keep their mouth shut, Mm -hmm. that guy's lawyer said none of these communications nor his testimony suggests that Schaefer requested or wished for confidentiality surrounding the provisional electors. No, he didn't want to keep it a secret. So now they're covering up, covering it up. This is fucking meta as hell, right? He's like, shh, it's a secret that we wanted to keep it a secret. (laughs) So now you're obstructing your own obstruction and that is like it's obstruction inception. It's pretty incredible. It's a beautiful thing. Please continue doing it. Mm. The Justice Department has sent subpoenas and sought interviews with some of those 15 people around the country who were slated to be fraudulent electors, but were replaced on the day of the Electoral College vote. 
Uh, now, several people told The Washington Post that that fact, OK, that the Justice Department has sent subpoenas to these 15 folks who ended up not being fraudulent electors. Some of those Republicans have previously told The Post they didn't participate because Biden won. <laughs> and they didn't think the gatherings were appropriate. I guess that's probably not what people wanted to hear on the other side at the time. Yeah. Others, of course, said they were ill or had scheduling conflicts. Of course. Yeah, but <laughs> I've come down with a severe case of Biden won. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what happened. Among those who refused to participate were Pennsylvania Republican Party Chairman Lawrence Tabas, an election law expert who had defended Trump in a 2016 uh, suit against a recount push by Green Party candidate Jill Stein. Former Congressman Tom Marino, one of the first members of Congress to endorse Trump's presidential campaign, and Georgia real estate investor John Isaacson, son of the late Republican Senator Johnny Isaacson. <laughs> John, did it for Johnny. The subpoenas seek all documents since October 1st, 2020, related, that's before the election, by the way, related to the Electoral College vote, as well as any election-related communications with roughly a dozen people in Trump's inner circle, including Rudy Giuliani, Bernard Carrick, Boris Epstein, Jenna Ellis, and John Eastman. I repeat, Department of Justice subpoenas are looking for communications with Giuliani, Carrick, Epstein, Ellis, and Eastman. I mean, all of those text messages, I know there's important ones and probably really illegal ones, but I bet the rest from her fucking shit show. Yeah. (laughs) And how many, I mean, how long is it going to take? You know why I think it's gone, like the investigation, the federal investigation into Rudy Giuliani has gone on for so long is because they probably have to parse through so many butt dials, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, and, you know, disclude those from anything, but then like listen to what he's saying in case there's any evidence on the butt dial. Oh God, that's miserable. I feel bad for whoever got that job. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm the I'm on butt dial taint duty. I'm on the butt dial taint team. The email obtained by the Washington Post, this back to the sinners email, uh, shows the Trump campaign went to considerable lengths to keep the effort quiet in advance. Trump electors were told not to reveal their plans to security when they arrived arrived a rove. You know, am I I'm just making I'm just my new word usement. Yes. Uh, upon arriving at the state capitol, but instead to say they were on site to attend that meeting with the two senators. Now, Jones, who was among the 16 Trump electors, won the Republican nomination to be Georgia's next lieutenant governor last month. Oh, boy. Everyone get out and vote, please. Just get out and vote. <laughs> yes. More important than ever. All right. Here we go. State police in Michigan have obtained warrants to seize voting equipment and election related records. In at least three towns in one county in the past six weeks, police records show that that's what they're doing. They're widening the largest known investigation into unauthorized attempts by allies of Donald to access voting systems. This is scary shit. Hmm. The previously unreported records, they include such warrants and investigators, memos obtained by Reuters through public records requests. So anyone can get these, but Reuters did it. The documents reveal a flurry of efforts by state authorities to secure voting machines, poll books, data storage devices, and phone records as evidence in a probe launched in mid-February. Now, the state's investigation follows breaches of local election systems in Michigan by Republican officials and pro-Trump activists that they're trying to prove his baseless claims of widespread voter fraud in the 2020 election. The police documents reveal, now this is among other things, that the state is investigating a potential breach of voting equipment in Lake Township, and that's a small, largely conservative community in northern Michigan's Masaki County. The previously unreported case is one of at least 17 incidents nationwide, including 11 in Michigan, in which Donald supporters gained or attempted to gain unauthorized access to voting equipment. Gained. Mm. Gained is part of that sentence. 
Uh, many of the breaches have been inspired in part by the false assertion that state-ordered voting system upgrades or maintenance would erase evidence of alleged, I know, voter fraud in 2020. So state election officials, including those in Michigan, say those processes have no impact on the preservation of data from past elections. Okay. Now the search warrants also authorize state police to seize election equipment in Barry County's Irving Township and have that examined. Local officials acknowledged publicly last month, by the way, that state police raided the township office on April 29th. That was the day after the warrant was issued. So this has gone down. Now, additionally, AG, the records shed new light on election equipment breaches in Ross Common County. And one official in the county's Richfield Township told investigators that he gave two vote counting tabulators to an unauthorized and unidentified, quote, third party. Just gave them, just gave them to third party who kept them for several weeks. No big deal. In early 2021. Holy shit. <laughs> the county's clerk acknowledged that she too handed over her equipment to unauthorized people. What the fuck? No, this is, this is ridiculous. Taking together these documents depict a statewide push by pro-Trump activists to access voting machinery in search of evidence of a debunked theory that equipment was rigged in a crucial swing state that voted for Trump in 2016, but very much voted for Joe Biden in 2020. Now, Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, she actually told Reuters that the state's investigating whether the election system breaches are coordinated. Huh? Um, I'm going I'm to I'm take a guess. They probably are. Yeah, I wonder if sinners wrote him an email saying, don't tell anybody. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Another blockbuster story. I couldn't I couldn't pick a lead story today. They're all huge. Shortly before pro-Trump rioters stormed the Capitol, Secret Service agents scrambled to try to secure a motorcade route so then-President Donald could accompany his supporters as they marched on Congress to demand he stay in power. And that's according to two people briefed on witness testimony to Congress. The hectic events that day followed nearly two weeks of persistent pressure from Trump on the Secret Service to devise a plan for him to join his supporters on a march to the Capitol from the park near the White House, where he was leading a rally that he predicted would be wild. So for weeks, Trump was pressuring Secret Service to please let me go to the Capitol with them, please. <laughs> please, can I go to the Capitol? Come on, you guys. I want to go. Uh, but of course, they couldn't get permits. They weren't going to do that. That wasn't the plan. Nobody thought that was the plan. They kept telling him, no, no, sorry, honey. Sorry. You just have to stay in the residence today. The agency had rebuffed Trump's early entreaties, but the rushed effort on January 6th to accommodate the president came as Secret Service personnel heard Trump urge his rally audience of nearly 30,000 people to march on the Capitol while suggesting he would join them. That's when they snapped into action and said, oh, fuck, we better get some shit together. Their mission was clear, he said, pressure weak Republicans to refuse to accept the election results that made Joe Biden the next president. He said, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. That's what he told the crowd at the Ellipse. Witnesses have told the House January 6th committee that immediately after Trump made that remark, Secret Service agents contacted the D.C. police about blocking intersections. According to the people briefed on the testimony, police officials said, nah, <laughs> uh, they were stretched pretty thin that day. <laughs> they were monitoring numerous protests and later assisting with the uh, you know attack on the Capitol thing. So, no. A senior law enforcement official told The Washington Post that the president's detail leader scuttled the idea as untenable and unsafe. A D.C. official on Tuesday confirmed that the Secret Service sought D.C. police for help with a presidential motorcade. So someone confirmed it. 
and that's in D.C. Uh, the testimony, which could be featured during the high-profile hearing set to begin tomorrow, Thursday, indicates that several days before his speech, Trump had been eager to join his supporters to the march on the Capitol. New details also reflect a growing focus by the House Committee on whether Trump's White House may have tried to drag this civil service agency into the president's quest to block the peaceful transfer of power. Again, the details also reflect a focus by the one six investigators on whether or not Trump's White House tried to drag this civil service agency. That's the, you know, Secret Service. Yeah. Into the quest to block the peaceful transfer of power. Who boy. In addition to investigating Trump's repeat press to have the Secret Service let him join the march, the committee's been investigating whether Trump and his political aides played any role in encouraging the Secret Service to remove Vice President Pence from the Capitol. (laughs) That is a huge thing. The committee's been investigating whether Trump and his aides tried to get the Secret Service to remove the vice president from the Capitol. Unbelievable. After the building was stormed by Trump supporters. And, you know, I've got that exclusive reporting that they turned off their badges. Yep. Nobody's corroborated that, although my sources have spoken to the committee. Maybe it'll come out. Maybe they won't see it as an important story. I think it's important, but whatever. Now, on the morning of January 6th, many Secret Service detail members believed they were doing an in and out, taking Trump to the ellipse and taking him out back to the White House. That's according to witness accounts. And they were caught off guard when Trump said, I'm going to go with you to the Capitol. They were like, oh, fuck, what? (laughs) Some motorcade agents began rapidly making calls to their contacts in D.C. at the police to see if they could get help securing a motorcade route. And again, like they said, nah, bro, we're busy, fucking busy right now. The head of the president's security detail intervened to cancel the effort and told senior White House staff that moving the president to the Capitol would be far too risky. That's according to a senior law enforcement official. All right, AG, thank you. Now, the Georgia Secretary of State claims it is investigating how a local election supervisor gave a cadre of 2020 election truthers improper access to an election computer system in what initially seemed like the latest example of rogue actors misusing their government positions to cast doubt on President Joe Biden's victory over Donald Trump. I'm telling you, same shit, different story. But that investigation may expose a far more sinister plot than previously suspected. Here we go. According to text messages obtained by the Daily Beast, the covert access granted to Atlanta bail bondsman Scott Hall and his technical team was actually part of a coordinated effort to find election irregularities. And that effort, it turns out, was led by a local election official and the chair of the rural county's Republican Party, who was also one of former President Trump's infamous slate of fake electors. Dun, dun, dun. Here we go. The dots are connecting to a big old fucking black hole. Now, last month, the Washington Post revealed that the Secretary of State's office was investigating this matter. But the previously unreported text messages, they shed new light on who arranged the possibly illegal access to the computer and who was on the team that traveled south to do it. Now, the Secretary of State's office is already fighting off a lawsuit over the security of the state's voting machines and may face tough questions before a federal judge next week, given that the Coffee County incident demonstrates the state's inability to keep its machines off limits. Mm. So the situation has election cybersecurity experts concerned about the actual danger to election systems posed by these vigilante expeditions, which are mainly driven by disproven conspiracy theories. And this is a quote. Everything we've seen so far shows that the people who have been doing this have no fucking skills. You have <laughs> I love ele- this quote. <laughs> I know. You have an elephant in a porcelain store, which is hilarious, by the way, that they used 
the Republican, whatever, might not have been intentional, <laughs> and went on to say they can accidentally install malware, accidentally cause all kinds of havoc. And that's from Harry Hursty. And he's a Finnish computer programmer with extensive experience analyzing election systems and also a fantastic sense of humor, Harry. Thank you. They have you. no fucking skills. They have no fucking <laughs> skills. It's like an elephant in a porcelain shop. <laughs> Whatever. Now, the text messages acquired by the Daily Beast show two separate conversations in which former Coffee County GOP chair Kathy Latham and elections board member Eric Cheney lay out a plan to bring in a team of computer experts to access the computer voting system. The Daily Beast has verified that the conversations were real and remain stored on an iPhone. Mm. Yeah. In the weeks after the November 2020 election, people who refused to accept the results, they scrambled to find evidence of alleged voter tamperings. So here's a little bit of a timeline on that. At 4.26 p.m. on January 6th, the day of the riot, as the Capitol building in Washington was under attack, another plan was in the works 607 miles away in the small town of Dudless, Georgia. Cheney. The election board's member received word that the county GOP chair was on the phone with an Atlanta businessman who wanted access to the voting system's computers there. Okay. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Why listen, not? listen, I want, I want to access. There's a quote. Scott Hall is on the phone with Kathy about wanting to come scan our ballots from the general election like we talked about the other day. I'm going to call him in a few. And that's, that's what Hampton wrote to her boss in a text message conversation that was obtained. Now, the next morning, the operation was underway. Text messages show that a group of five people traveled south from Atlanta to the government elections offices in Douglas. Now, this is according to text. The team was led by Paul Maggio, an executive at a computer forensics and data storage company in the city. Maggio and his firm, Sullivan Stickler, they played a role in perpetuating the myth of a Trump victory in 2020 as hired expert witnesses supporting a lawsuit against Antrim County, Michigan. Hmm. Okay. So a Kraken lawsuit. So we have people breaking into voting machines in Michigan and Georgia that are part of false fraudulent slates of electors and the Kraken lawsuits too. Okay. Yep. So this is mm, expanding. Indeed. And the text messages, AG, they show that the team headed to rural Georgia, that they also included Jeffrey Lenberg. And Jeffrey is a man heralded by right-wing media as, quote, a systems vulnerability expert who also reviewed the voting machines in Antrim County. Okay. Hall chartered a plane for a team set on copying a computer server that housed the elections management system. And that's something that Hall, who was a member of that team, would later reveal on a call with elections rights activists. This is a quote again. Team left Atlanta at eight, five members led by Paul Maggio. Scott is flying in. That's from Latham. He texted that on January 7th at 946. Okay, so this is the day after the Capitol. And Latham just wrote, I trust you all. Mm. An hour later, a small single propeller plane. This is all so sketchy as fuck. An hour later, a single propeller plane flying in from uh, DeKalb Peachtree Airport appeared on the horizon. Maybe that's the Peachtree dish. That's the that Peachtree just Marjorie Taylor Greene was Marjorie talking Taylor about. Marjorie Taylor Greene was talking about. Jesus H. Christ, how do these people get elected? So this little prop plane's coming in and it appeared on the horizon just north of the small city, okay? And that's according to flight records obtained by the Daily Beast. It landed, a, I feel like we're in... Um, Oh God, what is it? A few good men. <laughs> yeah. It landed at 11.06 a.m. at the Douglas Municipal Gene Chambers Airport. And a short time later, Latham checked in at the Hampton. 
Oh, hmm. yes. And then he wrote in another message, Scott has landed and the rest of the team is almost to Douglas. Okay. So he's documented this whole thing over text message. Hall and the team made their way to the windowless, the windowless elections registration building. Hampton would later tell the Daily Beast that Cheney and Latham were already there. And she recalled telling her junior assistant, Jill Riddenhoover, to stay quiet. Again, shh, shh, quiet. Hampton said, I told her, you sit over there. You don't say anything. You don't even know what's going on. So that's what Hampton recalled. Oh my fucking God. Talk about consciousness of guilt. I know. While others did technical work, Hampton went and bought pizza for the crews across the street. And that's what she told the Daily Beast. And the operation continued for hours. All right. At 3.48 p.m., Hampton updated the GOP chair. And she said, going great so far. (laughs) We got the pizza. The team's work wrapped up later that afternoon. Flight records show that the propeller plane left the tiny airport at 5.16 p.m. Now, when Hampton reached out to Cheney that evening, he directed her to take the communications to an encrypted app with disappearing messages. Oh, now, now we should, now we should switch to Signal. <laughs> I know. Now we should take this to WhatsApp after, after the decal peach tree mission is complete. Yep, that's what he says at 7:24. Let's switch to Signal. <laughs> yep. The concern now, cybersecurity experts say is that the conspiracy-driven vigilantes now have unfettered access to a copy of Georgia's voting software. That's a big fucking problem. Similar attempts in Colorado, Michigan, and Ohio, they've been investigated. One in Mesa County, Colorado, that's already led to an indictment. Mm -hmm. Now, the obvious worry here is that these teams might find vulnerabilities and share them with hackers who can actually exploit them. But what's really driving anxiety is that their sloppy computer work, it's that itself is going to plant evidence of tampering that fuels the big lie because they'll be like, yeah, the, the machines were hacked. They were, we got it. Yeah. yeah. They were hacked by us, but w- you know, we got in. They were still hacked. Yep. So clearly, clearly Che Guevara can get in. Yeah. Yeah. And here we go. We got the Hursty again. Hursty said, because these idiots are being idiots, when they do these copies, they leave as they did in Mesa County, evidence that this computer has been tampered with. That's our Finnish computer guy. Went on to say, so now there is a claim the server was tampered with when it was actually the stop the steal people. That's the fucking problem with all this. It's mm-hmm. up. It's yeah, it's scary. It is. And uh, I, I'm assuming that Fonnie Willis will find all of this as they are attached to Sidney Powell and the Kraken lawsuits and the fraudulent slates of electors. That these teams are also coordinated attempts to go down and fuck with voting machines to make it look like they can be tampered with and then possibly to steal voter data. 100%. Fucking frightening. And give it to other hackers who can learn from it on how to break into to voting machines. Yeah. This is why we need hand-marked paper ballots. Okay. Yep. All right. Thank you so much for that story. Wow. It's just a, it's like the thievery corporation, but not as cool. Um, <laughs> all right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with the good news. Everybody stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. This Father's Day, get your dad the gift he will cherish. Aura Frames. They make digital picture frames designed to easily fill your home with photos of family and friends shared instantly from an app. You can instantly frame photos from any device anywhere, and you can invite the whole family in on the fun through the Aura app. You can even preload photos and add personal video messages that will display as soon as dad connects his frame. There is free unlimited storage. Add as many photos and videos as you like and invite as many people as you want to the frame. With an Aura digital frame, get your dad a gift that's thoughtful as it is effortless to set up and use. 
meticulously calibrated for color and brightness, their state-of-the-art displays eliminate screen fatigue and ensure your photos look like the real deal. It's fun and cool. Your dad will absolutely love it. Every frame comes with a beautiful gift-ready box. You can share 10,000 photos and videos worry-free with no storage limit. Easily invite family and friends with the Aura app. There's no memory cards, hidden fees, subscription costs, nothing. Uh, I picked out the new Carver Lux landscape frame. I love the classic look of this frame. It's clean. It's clean design. It's beautiful. It can show videos or pictures in random or chronological order, or even has a speaker so you can hear sounds from your videos. Aura Frames was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter and The Strategist, and it's guaranteed to make Dad smile this Father's Day. From now until Father's Day, save on the perfect gift and get up to $20 off while supplies last by going to AuraFrames.com and using the code DAILYBEANS, all one word. That's up to $20 off while supplies last by going to AuraFrames, A-U-R-A, frames.com and using code DAILYBEANS at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Everyone, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, or anything you want to send into us, Halloween photos, happy place photos, pod pet pics, any local animals available for adoption in your area, you can send them to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. A little bit of housekeeping if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you are not a patron. Again, you are not a patron. Go to apple.co slash beans, all lowercase, and make sure that that is the version of the Daily Beans you're following because there is an imposter out there right now. No, it's not. It's just a duplicate. We have to archive it and we don't want you to lose us in your feed. Again, patrons, supercasters, you don't have to worry about it. Your premium feed is your premium feed. If you want to get a premium feed, it's three bucks a month. You can do that by going to uh, patreon.com slash Miller. She wrote, you get all three shows ad free and access to the Zoom things. And Dana, I'm going to DC for the hearings. Going to be hanging out with some friends, Pete Strzok, Annie McCabe, Love it. Harry Dunn going to be hanging out and uh, I will be having a meet and greet there on uh, Saturday, the 18th of June. Details will be for patrons. This is a patron meet and greet so that if you have been on the fence about signing up for, you know, being a patron for three bucks a month, now's the time if you want to hang out and have some cocktails at a really Seems cool bar pretty reasonable. in D.C. on the 18th. We could talk hearings because we will have had a couple by then already. All right. With that in mind, everyone, let's hit the good news here with Cindy. No pronouns given. Hi, Beans Queens. Kitchen table listener here. So, you know, I feel like one of these days, Dana, I should just go out to that kitchen table. If you come to San Diego, we should just do this at the kitchen table. Absolutely. Just for we'll old video time Maybe for the patrons, we'll put it up on the Patreon. <laughs> First time writer, Cindy says, new patron, finally. Yay. And gifted a subscription because if you're able to give back, you do. You ladies have gotten me through many a hyperventilating moment from the former guy's administration. Anyway, I wanted to share some good news. We had a kitty show up under our deck a couple weeks ago. It was skin and bones as scared as you can imagine. We got it to trust us after about a week of food and water. That always seems to work. And we got her to the kitty doctor for a health check, which she passed with flying colors. Yay. We have two dogs and I was nervous about having them around each other until I knew she was healthy. After that, we realized she was in heat and calling all the boys to the yard. Yeah, her milkshake brought all the... So we had to move her to a fully safe zone at a neighbor's old milking parlor building where she stayed for a few days. 
Well, today our little visitor kitty went in for her spay and got to go to her new home with my sister, who instantly fell in love with her. It always takes a village. I'm so thankful for the village I have the privilege of being a part of. Meet Miss Lily. The sweet, <laughs> the sweet girl doesn't realize how good her life is going to be. First pick is the day we found her. Last pick is after about one and a half weeks of food and love, which work wonders. Thank you for all you do. Oh, indeed. Hi, Lily. Oh, what a beautiful cat. Yeah. That looks like a super soft, sable kitty. Oh, the eyes. My goodness. I know. Thank you, right, thank, thank you, you, thank you. Thank you All so right, much. this is from Bonnie, pronoun she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. I wrote to you in January 2021 to connect the Beans Reading Community with the online reading challenge charity I run called Cannonball Read. Great name. My follow-up good news is that Cannonball Read became an official IRS 501c3 tax-exempt organization in February of this year. Congratulations. Even more exciting, the Cannonball Read community reached a fundraising milestone around the same time reaching a total of $10,000 donated to American Cancer Society. Awesome. Awesome. Now, Cannonball Read is a kind and welcoming community that loves books and writing and hates cancer. Everyone is welcome. Our URL for shows, notes, or on air is cannonballread.com. Thanks. Now, in Halloween costume tax, I present my youngest costume of a monster scientist carrying her own head on a platter. This costume inadvertently terrified a few younger trick-or-treaters that year in the neighborhood as the backpack under the whole thing was shift as she bent over to reach into candy bowls with them. <laughs> now, the costume, that's so funny, the costume would uh, lean down suddenly among the kids over her shoulder, and they would leap back in fear. One little girl's mom tried to tell her it was just a costume, but she ran away yelling, no, 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 it's real. <laughs> so good. These photos are a few years ago. Oh, they're a few years old. So in, um, another update, the kid in that monster costume just finished her first year of undergraduate program in biochemical oh. engineering. Fuck yeah. We're so proud of her and we can't wait to see what she builds next. Thanks for all you do. These Halloween costumes are amazing that's hilarious her own head on a platter <laughs> so good so creative wow. awesome that's amazing all right next up from cheryl my covid blessing my california son daughter-in-law and grandkids traveled to virginia via rv and stayed two months thanks to virtual school and virtual work in the fall of 2020 we ended up having an all-day halloween celebration which the grands now refer to as Oma's epic Halloween. Oh, Oma. Look. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's, is that a spider cookie? That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Let me take this next short one. We'll have you close it out today. Okay. All right. This is from Rosie. No pronouns given. Ladies, happy pride. Last week in your Flip It Blue segment, you had Daniel Duncan from South Carolina. He let us know of others in the neighborhood districts who also need our help. So I sent all three money. Today, I got this thank you card in the mail from Bill Kimler. How cool is that? Saying thank you never seems like it's enough for everything you're doing to save our democracy. Also, enjoy the picture of my sweet, great nephew. This is very cool. Thank you for reaching all the way out to South Carolina to help me take on one of the most extreme right-wing lawmakers in the country. Your donation to my campaign will arm me with the materials that I'll be taking door to door to win this area back one person at a time. What a beautiful thing to do. Nice job, Bill. Handwritten too. Oh my God. Uh, uh, 
But ah. <laughs> oh, that baby. What a sweet, adorable look, look at, all at the hair. lips. Oh my God. You and I are like the hair, the lips, everything, <laughs> the eyebrows. The eyebrows are amazing too. Oh my goodness. What a oh, beauty. Thank you for that. That my little, my little ovaries just had a party. That's a bunch of hair. That must have been a lot of heartburn. Got to tell you. So, so, so cute. I want to eat the cheeks. Okay. Thank you for that. Next up from Austin and Mirandi. They, them, dear ladies of the beans, like the lady of the lake, but less Excalibur dispensing and more expletive hurling. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Strange women lying around in ponds distributing swears. That's us. Writing to offer our good news. We just made our first donation ever to a political campaign using the Swing Left platform. To be clear, we're not political heavyweights. We live on a farm in the middle of rusty red country. I drive a truck. My partner is rehabilitating the farmland to grow native plants and restore wildlife. Fucking cool. The last neighbor I spoke to about politics is Jack, who is a donkey. He's a good listener and he's open-minded to new concepts so long as there are carrots and apples. (laughs) But I grew up watching a farm boy and a desert orphan throw the Sith Emperor into a pit, and a stay-at-home hobbit destroy the Ring of Power with his best friend, so maybe a couple of folk like us will make a difference after all. My partner assures me that even if we pick up three seats in the Senate, I can't throw Mitch McConnell into the Death Star reactor. I'm not yet convinced. Neither am I. Same. I'm offering this good news mostly as an excuse to show off the dog, but also as a reminder the things we're fighting to gain. As difficult as times seem, and are, There's also a time of our greatest opportunity. It only takes a few more key votes to see voting rights and reproductive health care enshrined into law everywhere in the nation. And we can get those votes in November. Love and power to all of you, the Beans family. I'll see you on Election Day. I'll be the person in the voting booth right after you. Pet tax are pictures of some of our family. The white dog is Millie. The black and white one sitting up is Haley. She was Haley. The bluish brownish was Isabel. Millie is still with us. Haley and Isabel have crossed the Rainbow Bridge. All rescues, no idea on breeds. Oh, look. Wow. Oh, that face. <gasps> oh, look at that faces. pity mix. Oh, meh. God, look at that smile in the second picture. Oh, and the third oh, picture. I know. Oh, I know. These are fantastic. What a great way to end this segment. Oh, good dogs. I love that floor, too. Just commenting. That is good. I am my mom, by the way. That's hilarious. It is good. It's good stone. Yeah. It's nice. All right. That's the show for today. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Dana, do you have any final thoughts? I do not for today. I just appreciate you all. And I hope you have a wonderful evening. I'm glad you're feeling better. And uh, Andrew, there, there is no episode of Clean Up on Aisle 45 today because Andrew has the COVID. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So I need everyone to to bombard opening arguments on Twitter with just a bunch of get well soon wishes like make it annoying (laughs) make it annoying that's how much we want andrew to get better uh we will be back next week though and then uh, dana you and i'll be back tomorrow yeah yes we will awesome until then everyone please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet take care of your mental health and vote blue over q i've been ag and i've been dg and them's the beans the daily beans is written and executive produced by allison gill with additional research and reporting by dana goldberg and amy carrero Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.